0: Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Air Beach. We are beginning a brand new series uh, tonight, and it's called Via Dolorosa. Can you say that? Via Dolorosa. Um, And basically what that means is it's the suffering way or painful way or more specifically sorrowful road. And uh, this series, uh, this, this idea, this, this word is the literal half mile road that Jesus walked while carrying his cross to Golgotha, um, which was the hill he was crucified on. So when Jesus carried his cross and then a guy named Simon helped him carry that cross, it is said to be this road that led to Golgotha. And you can go to Israel and you can walk this road um, today today. And in this series, sort of as we prepare our hearts for Easter and after Easter, we're not going to only just look at the road Jesus walked to the cross, but we're going to talk about the journey that led him to the cross. The journey that led Jesus to the cross. And we'll look at some of the key events and feelings um, that took place on the way for Jesus to the cross. And tonight we're going to look at Passion Week. Somebody say Passion Week or the week that led Jesus to the cross. So we're gonna rewind, if you will, to one week before uh, the, the, well, really the resurrection. And many of us know Good Friday, right? We, we celebrate Good Friday, it's not Black Friday. Um, Zio confused that the other day. He's like, I hate Good Friday. And we're like, oh, slow down. And uh, he's like, that's the, like the shopping stuff, like that's Black Friday, that's cool, you can, that's around Thanksgiving. Um, Good Friday is the day that Jesus was crucified, and then we all celebrate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus defeated death and rose again. Um, But we're going to talk about the whole week that led to that, because I think when we're reading through the Bible, if you read through the Gospels, um, all of this follows sort of chronologically what's happening, but it can get a little confusing about what's happening when, what's going on, where are they going, and all of that. So we're going to tonight walk through the week that led um, Jesus to the cross, this video-based basically summarizes my teaching points. Check this out. Oh, we need the sound. Start it over. Go again. All right, so those are my points. That's my teaching. Um <laughs> So let's talk about it. We're going to start, although his song started with Monday, we're going to start with Sunday. So you write this down, Sunday, um, one week before the resurrection. You can also follow along on the events page on the Bible app because it's probably the best way we're covering a lot tonight. So Sunday, one week before the resurrection, you with me? We call this Palm Sunday, Uh, Luke chapter 19, we read this. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Not much of an explanation, right? Why are you stealing my car? The Lord needs it. All right. Um, Verse 32. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? Why are you stealing it? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. There's no, like, interaction. The Lord needs it? They move on. Uh, They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread out their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the uh, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This event on the Sunday before the resurrection is known as the triumphal entry. Jesus here recognizes and receives the glory that he deserves. Jesus is recognized and receives glory the glory that he deserves. Now this event is fulfillment of prophecy. Zechariah 9, nine spoke of the coming king on a donkey. This is also Jesus publicly admitting that he is the promised king of Israel and the Messiah or the savior. So a lot's happening. This is fulfillment of prophecy. People said, hey, when the king comes, he's gonna ride in on a donkey. Jesus here riding on a donkey is now publicly admitting, he's saying to everyone, I am the Messiah that was promised. I am the King that was to come. And this is really the first time in Jesus' ministry where he openly reveals to the people that he is in fact the Messiah. And he receives the praise that is given to him. They are praising God for all the things that Jesus has done and with the expectation of all that he will do. Because Jesus is worthy of worship, Jesus receives the worship. This is important for us to understand because many people, many prophets, many teachers in the Bible did great things, but none of them receive worship. One particular story in uh, the New Testament is when uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, actually no, I think it's Peter, We're going to have to fact check later. Anyways, an apostle, we'll just go there. An apostle performs a miracle and the people see it and they begin to praise and worship the apostle. And the person responds and says, no, that kind of worship only belongs to God. So here Jesus is riding in on a donkey and people are worshiping and praising him. If he was a prophet, he would have to say, no, that doesn't belong to me. It only belongs to God but he is admitting and receiving worship saying, I am, Jesus is saying, I am God. And then when the Pharisees call him on it, they're like, hey, you can't, that's not allowed. Hey buddy, hey prophet, you can't do that. You can't receive worship, that only belongs to God. He responds, he says, if they keep quiet, the rocks will start worshiping me. In other words, in this moment, Jesus is going to receive the worship that he deserves. Jesus, in this moment, is going to receive the worship that he deserves. And this, really, this verse especially, The Rocks Will Cry Out, speaks of our unique opportunity that we have to worship God. God is worthy of worship, but if we don't worship him, he will still get the praise he deserves. We are uniquely invited into worshiping God but God is going to receive his worship. Now, the reason that we worship, the reason that Jesus requires worship, is not because he's some egotistical maniac that needs constant affirmation. Right? Like, God's not up there like, worship me, I need it. Like, tell me how great I am. Um, We worship him because he's worthy of it. Because all the things we say about him and sing about him Pale in comparison or pale to the reality of all the worship that he deserves. So we worship God not because he's like, please tell me how good I am, but because he actually is that good. But we also worship him because we become like whatever we exalt. So whatever you put up in your life, whatever you exalt in your life, you sort of orient your life after those things. And so if we come here together and we exalt the name of Jesus, we begin to be transformed into the image of Jesus because we become like the things that we exalt. And so we put God at the first, we put God at the top of our life because he's worthy of it and because we want to become transformed into his image. And so Jesus, a week before the resurrection, he receives the worship that he's worthy of. The next day, Monday, this is six days before resurrection. Luke chapter 19 verse 45 says this, When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling, saying, It is written, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So the next day, Monday, Jesus goes to the temple Now, this is the second time in the gospel that Jesus cleanses the temple. On one occasion, he makes a whip. Jesus makes a whip. That story is fascinating to me because I like to picture him making the whip. You know, like he's sitting in his garage or whatever and he's like, lays out all the rope or whatever and he's like, all right, gotta go to the temple today. Like, "Ah, let's do this thing. Like, it's pretty intense. He goes to the temple and he makes a whip and by force drives people out of the temple. And then on this occasion, Jesus turns over tables and drives people out of the temple. So think about Sunday to Monday, I can check, mood swing. What's happening? From receiving worship to going to the temple and driving people out. What's going on? Well, in the time of Jesus and throughout history before Jesus, there was animal sacrifice required for people to have relationship with God. So there's animal sacrifice required for people to have relationship with God. The innocent must take the place of the guilty. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins or there is no forgiveness or atonement for our sin. This was the way people had forgiveness of sins and could have relationship with God. They were to offer sacrifices of lambs, bulls, birds, grain, fruits and vegetables, all of it was supposed to be the first of their possessions and they were supposed to be without blemish. That's the requirement. So you just take the the first of your possessions, bring it to God without blemish as a sacrifice, as an offering to God. What people began to do, we're told this because we're in the in the text it was it said that he turned out or he drove out the people that were selling doves that were selling birds um, what people began to do was sell the sacrifices outside of the temple for people to come and offer to god for their sins okay so imagine you show up to the temple and maybe a couple things would happen one you're like "Eh, i didn't really feel like going through my flock and finding one of those i'll just buy one outside the temple do it that way get my sins forgiven, it cost me a few bucks, but at least I still got my sheep. And I'll just go in, pay it, walk in, offer the sacrifice, I'm good to go, I'm out of here. Or another thing that would happen is you would come in and you would have your sacrifice and there would be these people in the temple and they'd be like, ooh, I think that bird has a blemish. But don't worry about it, I got one right here, two for $5. And what would happen is people were, were basically making money off the sins of the people. They they were creating a a sort of blockade between the people and the way that they were to have relationship with God. And so Jesus comes in and he's like, "Uh -uh. uh-uh. You're not going to profit off the sins of the people. This is not the way that God designed worship and relationship to be. And so Jesus goes in and he clears out, he cleans up the temple. Listen, God is worthy of our worship but God also has a way that he desires to be worshipped. So these guys were twisting, they were manipulating what was going on and saying, okay, this is the new way that God wants to be worshipped. And Jesus is like, no, it's not. I'm gonna cleanse the temple. We need to understand that God is worthy of our worship, but he also desires, he has a way that he wants us to worship him. We worship Him through song and praise. We worship through trusting and obeying. We worship through holiness and surrender. We worship through the gathering together of His people. We can't do whatever we want and call it worship. God has a way that He wants to be worshiped. Now we can, don't mishear me, we can do all things as an act of worship to Him, all things that are honoring, all things that are uh, uh, surrendered to him, all things that bring him glory. But we can't define our own terms of worship. So Jesus, on Monday, he cleanses the temple. All right, Tuesday, you guys still with me? Tuesday, this is five days before resurrection. Matthew 26, verse 14 says this, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Speaking of Jesus. So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So Judas betrays Jesus. Now we know, we've heard this before, but Judas was one of the 12 apostles that has been with Jesus for the last three years of ministry. He saw all the signs and wonders. He heard all the messages, and he even did mighty things himself. And yet, he turns from Jesus and betrays him. Now, it always kind of struck me: why did Jesus, or me, why did Judas betray him? Like it's kind of a weird thing, and especially when you when you follow the story, like Jesus is there in the garden. Judas shows up. He like says, "What's up to Jesus?" They arrest him. Like, what did they really need Judas for? It's not like Judas went in and like had this secret information about Jesus that that gave them like oh that's what we needed to arrest him. So what was the whole thing? Well, it's a couple things. The betrayal was an excuse or an opportunity for the religious leaders to arrest him. They had been looking and hoping for a, a, a time, the right moment that they could arrest Jesus. They just hadn't had it yet. And like as soon as we get the right moment, we're going to arrest him. And then. Knocks on the door, Judas, one of the twelve. He's like, "Hey, I want to turn him over to you guys." They're like, "Oh, that's, that's kind of the sign we're looking for. Perfect." But then also, Judas knew where he was. Jesus, in late at night, was praying in a garden, or yeah, praying in a garden, and Judas was able to lead him them exactly to where he was for them to arrest him. And one of the things about them wanting to arrest Jesus was they didn't want to do it in front of other people because the crowd we just saw on Sunday before the resurrection were worshiping him. They loved Jesus. Jesus was awesome. He was performing miracles. He was preaching messages. He was preaching not like the Pharisees were preaching where they're confused and like, what are these guys talking about? But in ways that they could understand about the kingdom of God, about the love of God, about the compassion of God. This was Jesus. They loved him. So they needed to find a way to arrest him when the people weren't around so that they could ultimately kill him so judas betrays him and he did this uh because so they could do it late at night and all sh- signs show that judas literally did this for the money there's not a whole there's all sorts of sort of like conspiracies i guess about what okay why did judas do it and people have all sorts of random thoughts about, but as far as we can see, it seems like he literally just did it for the money. He was upset just days before when a woman came and anointed Jesus' feet with costly perfume. Judas thought it should have been sold and given to the poor. Judas is like, what a waste of costly perfume to put on Jesus' feet. You know how much money that, that, was. first thing the woman was doing, it's this beautiful act of worship. She's she's worshiping Jesus, and his first thought is like, that's worth a lot of money. What a waste. We're also told that Judas was the one that was left in charge of their, like, group's money. So, like, when they traveled around, the the apostles and Jesus, Judas was in charge of the money box. He, like, had the wallet, so when they go to the restaurants, Judas was paying, but it's like, community money. And we're told that Judas was stealing from that money box, So Judas was left in charge of the money and he was stealing from them. And then we're told here that he comes and he says, okay, how much are you willing to give me for Jesus? And they're like, yeah, that was 30 pieces of silver, which most people estimate that was worth about 25 bucks. Like, yeah, we'll give you, how's 25 bucks sound? She's like, all right, sounds good to me. It's like one meal, maybe two. It's like one dinner, one nice dinner. All right, you can have Jesus for one nice dinner. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So that's our Tuesday. Wednesday, four days before resurrection. Now this is considered a silent day. We have no idea what Jesus did. The gospel doesn't tell us. We know he's in Bethany, he's hanging out, he's near Jerusalem, but there's no clear uh, motion, activity, whatever Jesus was doing. Thursday, three days before resurrection. Now, quite a few things happen on the Thursday before the resurrection. Um, We have the Passover or the Lord's Supper. This is when uh, the the people of Israel were celebrating the Passover, which comes from Exodus. Um, But Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper or communion, right? I'm sure many of us, we've all partaken of communion before. This is where we remember the events that were about to happen. For them, they weren't remembering because it hadn't happened yet. Um, but it was this institution of what we call the Lord's Supper. Then from there, after they have the meal together, Jesus was excited to eat that meal with them. He he accuses or calls out Judas for betraying, and then from there they go to the garden of Gethsemane. And there Jesus prays, and he prays and and, and sweats drops of blood because of the worry and the stress about what's coming. And then in there at the at the garden, he's arrested. This is, again, the middle, this is late Thursday night. He's arrested. Then an illegal midnight trial begins. So they take him. They don't wait till the courts are open the next day. They go straight into the middle of the night, and they have this illegal trial all night long, trying to find something that they could pin on Jesus that they could put him to death. This was the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and all those characters. So this illegal midnight trial begins. And then at this uh, event as well, Peter denies Jesus. So a lot happens in this Thursday. So you guys with me? What's that? You're following the week. Sunday, he enters in on the donkey. Monday, he he cleanses the temple. Tuesday, Judas gets in his mind. How much can I get for them? Wednesday, I don't know. Maybe they slept in. Thursday, they begin the, the Passover The the preparation, they start the Passover meal on Thursday night. They have this meal together. They go out to the garden. Jesus prays. He's arrested. This trial begins. They condemn him to death. All right, then Friday, this is two days before resurrection. Now, I'll talk about it in a moment. This is another one of those things that, like, Friday, two days before resurrection. We'll talk about it now. Um, Jesus rose on the third. Friday, Saturday. On the third day, he rose again. Okay, that makes sense. Two two nights, three days. He dies on Friday, rises early Sunday morning. That's three days. On the third day, you with me? It's kind of like whatever. It's math. I'm no good at math. It's math. All right. Um, so on Friday, this is two days before the resurrection. We have the crucifixion, obviously. We have Jesus has his seven statements from the cross. The day went dark from about 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. So the middle of the day, Jesus is on the cross. Um, and all of a sudden, it gets pitch black. There was an earthquake, a violent earthquake that happened. And then we're told that the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And then ultimately, on that Friday, Jesus died. He then was buried in a man named Joseph's tomb and he was laid to rest. And for everybody from, that point of view, from their point of view, the story was over. Saturday, this was the day before the resurrection. The anticipation is building. Now for them, there's no anticipation. For them, it's over. And this Saturday was another silent day. We don't have anything about what's going on. This, everyone's just, it's over. The story's done. Right? We have this week. This is, this is the final week of Jesus' life. He's dead. It's over now. He's placed in a grave. And every single person who had lived up until that, this moment, their biography is over on Friday. He died. We buried him. It's done. But then Sunday comes. This is the resurrection. We have these amazing moments when the women come down to the tomb and they're shocked they're confused because the, the stone that was covering the tomb had been rolled open. And they're like, what is going on? And they look in, and classic Jesus, there was like, his bed was made and the clothes were folded. Like, well, only Jesus rises from the dead and makes his bed. They're like, all right. Um, then they're confused. What happened? Did somebody steal him? What What's going on? And then they, they encounter this angelic being. And he makes this statement, he says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen, just like he said he would. So these women leave and they go, and then Jesus makes a series of appearances on that day that he rose from the dead. So as we move into Easter week, and worship team, you guys can make your way up here. As we're moving into Easter, I want you guys to track the timeline because I think these stories kind of get jumbled up and confused in our mind. But, but it begins Sunday one week before with Palm Sunday and it moves all the way through to where he, he dies on the cross Friday and to, a week from tomorrow at, at Easter in the park or at Riverside Park, we're gonna remember together that good Friday, what Jesus did. And then he rose from the dead on the third day. So just quickly as we close, I wanna give us some things to think about what we learn from Jesus from this, this week of his life. Because it's not, only Jesus has two last weeks of his life. Right? Jesus had a last week of his life, died, came back. So then we can actually look later and see the second last week of his life. What do we learn from the final week of Jesus' life? Number one, we learn of the position of Jesus. He is God worthy of worship and the one that saves us from our sins. Throughout this week, we see the picture and the reality both of the need of the savior and Jesus being the savior. Jesus' position, he is God. He came for a reason. He came to shed his own blood that we might have relationship with him. He is worthy of our worship and he is God. We see his position. We also learn of the patience of Jesus the the arrest and crucifixion it was sudden yet slow it's all of a sudden right like you're you're for many of the people it's like oh my gosh judas is here he was just eating dinner with us last night now jesus is arrested and then everything moves so quickly middle of the night trial condemned to death by 10 a.m the next day he's on the cross just boom it happens it's sudden, but it's slow. And the reason it's slow is because this was the reason Jesus came. This is 30 years in the making. This, this happened overnight. Oh my gosh, he's hey, what's going on? Did you hear he got arrested? What, what did he do? I don't know. What's going on? I haven't seen him all night. Peter, what did you hear? I don't know. I kind of bailed. I got nervous and I left. I said I didn't know him and now here I am. What's going on? And then just a few of the disciples show up to the cross the next day. Literally just John shows up and Jesus mom and they're watching Jesus be crucified. The day before they're having a meal together. It happened so suddenly. Wait a second. Sunday people were worshiping you. Sunday you were saying that even the rocks would cry out. What happened? Where did we go wrong? This is the Messiah. This is what we've been waiting for. It's sudden, but it's slow. And the reason it's slow is because this is the reason Jesus came. Jesus said this in John 12. He said, now my soul is troubled. He's speaking of the cross. He's speaking of his death. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. It was sudden, but it was 30 years in the making. In fact, it was, it was from the beginning in the making. you go all the way back to Genesis 3, this plan was set in motion for Jesus to come to earth to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have relationship with God, that we could be born again, that all of our failures, all of our mistakes, all of our wrong would be undone and we could be set into right relationship with God, that he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the patience of Jesus waiting for this hour, this moment that all might have relationship with God. Then we also learn of the passion of Jesus. Nothing was gonna stop him from going to the cross to make a way for all sins to be forgiven and all to have relationship with God. Jesus, we're, we're told that his For the joy that was set before him, he he endured the cross. He, He set his sight on you and me and the relationship that we would have and he went to the cross and nothing was gonna stop him. Whether it was the Sunday where people are worshiping him or the Monday when he's cleaning out the temple or if it's the Tuesday when one of his closest friends is saying, yeah, I'll give him up for 25 bucks. Nothing was going to stop him from going to the cross. We see the passion of Jesus, the persistence of Jesus to get you so that you might enter into relationship with him, that you might know him, that you might be forgiven of all the things that we've done and have relationship with him. And so as we move the next few days towards Easter, I just want us to be thinking of, as Sunday rolls around, think about Palm Sunday. Think about Jesus entering in on the donkey, people worshiping him. And then when you're at school on Monday, this is the day Jesus cleansed the temple because there's a way he wants to be worshiped. And then Tuesday, think about the heaviness of his best friend, one of his closest friends saying, yeah, what do you got for me? and Friday where it seemed so bleak, it seemed over, but then we have Sunday. We'll rejoice together, Easter Sunday, because why are we looking for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. So that we might have relationship with God. Let's pray together.